Hi, I'm Wendy Dickinson. I'm a mergers and acquisitions coach with Ascend to Sell. I specialize in coaching business owners who either want to sell the business they have spent years building or grow through an acquisition. I coach my clients to adopt mindset and awareness techniques in positive leadership, stress management, and maintaining their sense of purpose through transitions. Today, I'm here with Libby Dishner. Libby has M&A experience that she has been able to leverage with her clients as a coach. Libby, welcome to Catalytic Conversations. Thank you, Wendy. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Libby, I wonder if you would share with our listeners what your first paying job was. Sure. Um, my first paying job was at Helen Hutchley's, which was an ice cream place in Columbus, Ohio. And I, um, at 15, because you could work at 15 in, in Ohio, I would walk from my house to Helen Hutchley's and scoop ice cream. Okay, that sounds like a great job, especially in the <laughs> summertime. Exactly, it was. It was very fun. Libby, what did you learn from that job? You know, um, I think that I learned that pleasing the customer is really about engaging with them and listening. So when I think back about what I did that summer, I really got to know some of my customers and I actually got known as the chocolate soda um, extraordinaire or the girl that could make the best chocolate sodas. And so I would have customers come in and of course there were several of us working behind the counter, but they would wait for me in terms of, you know, their order because they wanted me to make their chocolate soda. So, um, you know, so what I learned really was just listening, listening to what customers really want and making a connection and then delivering kind of above and beyond. Wow. What a great lesson. <laughs> it was. Yeah. yeah. And and Libby, this might be a great time to share with our listeners a little bit about what you do now, because that is a key piece of your business every day. Yes, absolutely. And it was a, a key part of when um, when I served in a, in a corporate leadership role in, in human resources. And mm-hmm. so kind of taking that learning um, from you know, my gosh, 27 years in, uh, in HR and then transitioning it to my role now as an executive and leadership coach. Wow. And listening is such an important piece of that, isn't it? As well as customer yeah, yes. service. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Libby, yeah. I'm curious, did you have a business role model or a mentor throughout your career? You know, I was thinking about this and because I'm asked this a lot because I like to be a mentor to other people and I really didn't have one specific person. Um, Unfortunately, when I was kind of growing up in the corporate world, I had a lot of examples of what not to do. Um, So I didn't have one person who kind of took me under their wing. I wish I had because I think it makes such a huge difference to someone's career. But no, I just I had Wendy had a lot of good examples of what not to do. Mm-hmm. And and so a bit of the school of real world lessons there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Libby, I'm wondering, where have you ever had a failure? Of course, of course, of course. Um, lots of them. And <laughs> would you would you tell us about one? Because you know, sure. I, sure. I think that's something that as coaches we run across people for whom they're at pivot points. And, and so a failure 
can really be difficult to reset and recover from. And I'd love for you to, to share an experience that you may have had. Sure. So early on um, in my coaching career, I really, really thought that my target market was women leaders. And, and I do still do a lot of work with women leaders, but I really wanted to focus on them and their needs. And I, and I felt like if I could build a retreat for them, that combined what they're going through in their personal lives and what they're going through in their business lives and really kind of have a three-day off-site, take-care-of-you kind of retreat that that people would just hear about that and just eat it up. Mm. And so I created lots of content. Um, I asked subject matter experts, and I had one of my dear friends who's a stylist, you know, we, we were all lined up and a yoga instructor and, and I put it out there in the world and I got crickets. And so that was, it was a pretty big setback for me because I thought this is, this is what I would want. Right. Um, and this, this is something that I wish I had had when I was working in the corporate world. And so, um, it, it was really devastating to me because I was like, why, why doesn't anyone want what I have to offer? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so what was your takeaway from that? So I think um, timing, right? So timing yeah. is a lot of it. I had scheduled it for a weekend that I didn't realize was a pretty busy weekend in the spring. So, but, but more generally, so that's tactical, but so mm-hmm. more generally what I would say is, I learned that, you ha- again, you have to go back and listen to what your customers' needs are rather than just thinking that you've got a great product that everyone wants because it sounds good to you or it's what you love to do. It's really about serving your customer and getting them what they need. And so I was able to get a lot of feedback from um, from a couple of, so I sent it out to probably to 50 women. And so I reached out to about 10 or 15 of them and said, hey, why, you know, why didn't this resonate with you? And why, why wasn't this something that you just jumped at? And they were able to tell me some of, some of the things that they weren't willing to do. So I really stepped back to listen. I really appreciate your sharing that with us. And, and how did you use that knowledge going forward? So now before I delve into any project that I, that is going to be, you know, of any kind of substance, I always make sure that I go back to the people that I'm going to be serving and make sure it's exactly what they need and want. Nice. That is, that is a great um, procedure to follow for a lot right. of us. Yeah. 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 So Libby, I'm curious, what would you say your top three values are? Because I, I hear in what you just shared with us, um, an emphasis on service. I'm just wondering yes. what your top three happen to be. Yes, yeah, so service is def- definitely in my top um, 10, but it's not one of my top three. And so interesting. um, interestingly, I um, when I started my career, I had an opportunity to go through a time management program. Now I'm going to date myself because it was Franklin Quest at the time. <laughs> and you guys remember those big um, planners that were day planners that everyone carried around? Yes. Well, I was actually certified to train that. And one of the greatest things that I took away from that training was really to kind of identify what your values are. So many people don't don't take time to do that. And so what I loved about that program is not only did it make me determine what my top values are, but it really made me kind of 
write a description for each of them and use them then as decision points when I was making big decisions in my life. And so my top three are, I am loving and kind, I grow intellectually, and I am generous with my talents and my resources. Oh, gosh. And I can see where each one of those things contributes to your success as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely don't think I would be as successful as I am without those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so how do you go about expressing those values in your work? Oh, gosh. Um, So definitely, um, let's start with the the intellectual piece of of my goals. And that is that Mm -hmm. I am, I'm a learner. I'm always reading and learning. And what I have been able to do for my clients then is transition that into tools and resources for them. Um, So that's one way. The other way is that I'm never going to stop learning how to be a better coach. So I'm always going to um, plan something every year this year, it's going to be all about neuro leadership and, and really using the information that we've gotten from brain science into the coaching practice in which they're very symbiotic. So I'm going to be spending a bunch of time learning about that. And then of course, being kind, I mean, as a coach, you absolutely have to have that, um, that empathetic ear of being kind is, is a part of, of that, but also being kind in kind of a, uh, a hold you accountable kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so really, again, it's all about being in service of the client. And so certainly that, that serves me well. And then generous. Um, I think that, you know, going back to putting that extra scoop of ice cream in the soda or, um, you know, just really, doing what I call all in coaching, um, which is, you know, yes, we have scheduled times to meet and talk, but it's also about a 15 minute conversation right before you go into a meeting or, and I'm not going to put you on the clock for that, if, if you will. That makes sense. And, and what a great way to describe how you do express your values in what you do. Hey, Libby, I'm wondering, I mentioned pivot points earlier. Would you mind Mm -hmm. sharing with us a a pivot point that you've experienced in your career and then how you navigated that? Sure, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that uh, about M&A, and that was certainly probably the largest pivot for me in my career is um, I was working for a bank and um, loved my job. I was, you know, an executive and human resources. I had a fantastic team. We were clicking on all cylinders. We were doing great things. And all of a sudden, the uh, financial crisis happened. And mm. our bank uh, was a victim of that. And we were acquired by another bank. And And really what I realized is that, gosh, culture and what we're able to do in an organization is just as important as the actual financial transaction mm-hmm. um, of M&A work, right? So we, mm-hmm. we look very, very clearly at the numbers, and we absolutely have to do that for shareholder return. But what was interesting was the outcome of, the, of my particular merger, which was um, they lost about 75% of the talent that they really wanted to keep. And it was all because of the culture and the change in the culture. And I kind of, I, um, I noticed that Wendy at due diligence, quite frankly, first, when I, um, noticed how our handbook was written, 
yes. which was very informally and kind of, hey, you know, here are some general guidelines. These are our expectations, but use your good judgment. And the handbook of the acquiring company was very much, thou shalt not, and mm-hmm. don't even think about doing this, and this will result in kind of language. And so I saw it immediately then and kind of raised the red flag, but people just don't necessarily, not all companies, I shouldn't say no one, but not all companies look at the cultural aspect um, and trying their best to keep the talent that they do want to acquire with the assets. And so that was me seeing, going through that personally, and then making the decision to leave the organization to go out on my own and to work with other partner coaches was a pretty big learning uh, for myself and what was important to me, but also what made for good leadership in general, and then certainly good M&A experiences. I think that's so interesting because as you and I have discussed before, when you look at the statistics, whether or not you agree with a particular number, a very small percentage of transactions in the mergers and acquisitions world are considered a success as far as cultural integration is concerned three years out after the deal closes. Right, right. Yeah, and and when you also take into consideration that one of the potential values to a particular organization is their their team, their people. And as you just described, when you lose a considerable number of the people that are considered part of the value of the organization, it is hard to ignore the relevance of culture and values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet it seems to happen time and again. Yes, it's so sad. Yeah, it is. It is sad. And so Libby, where did you go from there? So um, I went out on my own and actually um, started uh, consulting with leaders on culture and leadership things. And then I decided, you know, this is this is better. This is closer to what to what I want to be when I grow up. But it's not just it's not quite there yet. And so I was on a project with another financial institution that introduced me to agile coaches, which is agile mm-hmm. is um, a technology uh, well, it's, it's more than that now, but it started yes. off as a technology delivery platform, a new way to deliver software into um, an organization, and they work with team coaches yes. and program coaches, and so I was, uh, I kind of knew about executive coaching, but I didn't, I didn't really know much about that to the, to the degree that I was exposed to it, it during that project. And so I went in 2013 and decided this is this is really what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a coach and I want to make sure that I am coaching leaders and their teams to not only uh, perform in the highest way possible for the organization, but also feel valued in the workplace. We spend so much time... Uh, at work, we, we want to make it a good experience. And I believe leaders um, have control over that for the most part. I agree. And that is such valuable work. And and so you mentioned Cresco Coaching. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing now and how you um, bring those skills and, and your M&A experience into what you do, which distinguishes you from other, other coaches as far as I'm concerned? Well, thank you. Um, so, yeah, so 
I work with with uh, organizations a lot of time in tandem with other coaches to bump up the leadership skills within their leadership team. I often work with a whole leadership team. We do some workshops and uh, some one-on-one coaching as well as some group coaching um, for the team itself, which is very, very important when a group is at a pivotal point, um, whether there's big change going on in the leadership team themselves. So a new CEO or a new COO comes into the leadership team or the organization is going through a big transition. Um, They've been purchased or um, they are trying to acquire other organizations. So um, or whether they're going through a big transition themselves, whether it's uh, technology driven or um, or whatever. So lots of team transition and organizational transitions. That's kind of where I specialize in. And, and all of that, real, that change needs to be managed appropriately. And so the M&A experience helps with that as well mm-hmm. as um, some of the other experiences I've had in HR through the years. So Libby, what are a couple of the skills that you um, recommend to your clients that they acquire to handle these times of transition? Yes. So uh, communication, communication, communication. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Be as transparent as you possibly can. Know that it's okay to say we don't have the answer to that at this point, but as soon as we know it, we'll communicate it down to you. It's so much better than people making up, um, you know, because we know that in uh, the void of information, people fill in their own gaps and, and oftentimes make up the worst case scenario. Yes. So what I would say um, is, you know, just communicate and be really strategic, I would say, about how you handle that communication. And as much as you think that you're communicating, I would say double or triple that. And, and then you're finally going to get the messages to all the people that you need to get it to. Wise words, Libby. <laughs> Wise words. So, Libby, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to spread your wisdom and knowledge. You of know, course. It isn't often that business owners have the opportunity to hear that inside view of the M&A process firsthand, much less have the opportunity to have two coaches who are willing to support a business owner through that time of disruption. And, and Tribe, I want to thank you all for listening. If you want to reach me, visit my website, Ascend to Sell, for more information on Ascend's Get Your Bearings Mastermind or for those looking for a shorter commitment, which is a trailblazer strategy day. And Libby, if folks want to reach out to you, how might they get in touch with you? Sure. So we have a website called Cresco Coaches, C-R-E-S-C-O, coaches.com or they can email me directly at engage at crescocoaches.com oh that's great well Libby I want to thank you again it's been great to talk with you and listeners Libby and I are here to coach you through it from start to finish so that you maximize your financial returns and minimize your emotional regrets hope you all have a great day take care